gang, have you ever thought of having your own podcast? Can you imagine having a top podcast and using it to add value to the world and monetize your business? Well, we have big news for you. We just launched the Be Invincible podcast school for entrepreneurs. We've already launched many top podcasts and we have a new class starting on May 3rd. Let's have a chat. Even if you've never thought about this before, I'd love to have a conversation with you to see if this might be a good fit and the answer to what you're looking for in how to find and attract your ideal target market. Join me on our website at camilehman.com. Check out the Be Invincible Podcast School tab where you can find all the information to schedule a chat with me so we can talk about this. We have limited seating, so we would love to have this conversation and see if it's a good fit and get you into one of those seats on May 3rd. So just jump on over to the website, camilehman.com. looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and rarely do they talk about it because quite frankly, that's not what creates success. Join us here where we will chat with fierce female entrepreneurs and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship and talk about the obstacles we have faced and how you can overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is the She's Invincible Podcast. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today on the She's Invincible podcast. And oh my gosh, I have one of the most invincible ones to introduce to you right now. Nancy Badillo has been in the digital space for 12 years, helping small business owners build and scale their businesses by leveraging the power of online marketing with a focus on e-commerce coaching, as well as content creation, she's able to provide her clients with valuable expertise from startups all through growth stages, making sure they're equipped with everything needed so that success can thrive. Nancy, welcome to the She's Invincible podcast. We are so excited to have you with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> oh my gosh. We, <laughs> we are so excited to have you. So let's do this. Let's jump in. Let's tell our listeners how in the world did you get where you are today and what makes you invincible? Oh, of course. So it originally started from hardship, basically, how I got into the digital space. Um, back in 2007, I purchased my home. I was going to school full time and I was working at a gym at Valley Total Fitness. If you guys remember that gym back in the day, um, it was pretty popular back then. And I was working a full time job. I was making decent money for my age. I was about 24 at the time. 
And when the market crisis hit in about 2009, um, Bally's actually went on, they started cutting the pay. Eventually they closed down. Um, so that's where it kind of started for me because I couldn't, have, I couldn't, pay for my mortgage or pay for school. So at that given moment, I did have a bachelor's in biology and I had to quit my school and I had to get three additional jobs to try to save my home. So I was working, I came out overnight. I was working at a company called Antenna Enterprises selling cable to Hispanic people. And then I was working at a bar in the weekends and I only got paid for tips only because I was like a jello shot girl. So I was trying to do everything and anything. Yeah, it's crazy. Anything and anything to try to save my home at that moment. That was like my biggest priority. And unfortunately, um, it wasn't enough. I wasn't making enough to even have light in my home. At one point, the, the heat got turned off. Um, I remember sitting in my room and it's like freezing degrees outside in Chicago and I'm sleeping with a jacket. I could blow, you know, if I blow out air, you could see the air. That's how cold it was inside. Oh and gosh. it got to the point that I started researching on Google, like how to make money online, because I kind of have heard about it. I just didn't know of anyone because now it's a lot easier, right? You know, so many entrepreneurs that are making money online, but back in 2009, it wasn't as common. Um, so I started Googling it and trying to learn how do people make money online? And that's how kind of got started for me, um, because of a crisis. And then, um, for me, I guess to kind of answer your second question, what makes me invincible is that I've always had a hustle mentality. I remember even at Bally's working at a taste of Chicago, um, 10 days straight, working 12 hours straight and being the number one seller, selling people memberships as they're stuffing their face eating. Put it out way. That's hard to do. So I've always been a hustler. Like I always been a hustler. I, I always been like one of those people that I might not know how to do it, but I want to be successful. I want to um, go after my dreams. It just taken me a little bit longer to get there than other people. And it's not like those stories that you hear somebody say, oh, I became instantly um, successful after a year. That never really happened with me, to be quite honest. But what makes me invincible is that for me, no matter what I did, even though I kept failing, I would try this fail, try that fail. I just kept going, going through it. And I knew that eventually something was going to give. So either I did a plan. I said, okay, my plan A is to make money online. Plan B, if I cannot make money online, as of now, I'm going to go back to school, get a bachelor's and another master's in business administration with a minor marketing because I kind of fell in love with the digital space. So I had that plan of if I can't make money online, I'm going to work, work at an ad agency or some agency where I could get more experience and be with, with mind-like individuals that are the same like myself. And that's what makes me invincible is that I've never been the type of person to quit. I'll just try to figure it out or find a way. I love it. I love that. Yeah, because you gave yourself an option. If this doesn't work, I'll just go do this. It was quitting was never an option for you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, some people quit, you know. 
There, mm-hmm. Nobody remembers them though. We never remember the ones who quit. Oh my so, gosh. Uh, well, I'm excited to talk to you about how the, how you went from like that Google search bar to, you know, to how to make money online to now having this huge successful business um, and considering an expert in the Etsy world. So let's do it. Um, I know you have a four-step framework. Let's start there and then we'll just keep going. Of course. So I actually have a four-step framework that I teach for a profitable Etsy shop. And what's cool about this framework is that it really doesn't matter whether you sell on Etsy, on Amazon, maybe you want to sell on your own website. If you were to attend my free masterclass, you could pretty much apply what I teach in any platform, to be pretty honest. And what it consists of is basically understanding who is your target niche, right? Your audience and making sure that you create products that are unique, irresistible, cater to that audience. That's the number one thing. Um, the second thing is optimizing your store. Um, is example will be Etsy um, for SEO, making sure that you're taking advantage of their platform. The number one reason why I always recommend for anyone starting a business especially if you create handmade products, is to start on Etsy because they have over 90 million buyers. So if you at the current moment don't have an online presence, you don't have a, a huge email list, you don't even have a website, you don't have anything at the moment, it is so easy to start a, a, a platform or it's so easy to start a store, excuse me, on Etsy and start making money because as long as you optimize the store for SEO, then now you're taking advantage of their building traffic. And from there, you could get momentum to grow your email list and then eventually transition to your own website where you have to pay less fees, obviously. But it's a great starter platform for a lot of people. The third framework is traffic. So what I recommend people is when you're starting out, you are going to feel a little bit overwhelmed, especially if you've never used social media because there's so many components of it and there's so many of them. So the, the best way to start is choose one platform, master that platform. Once you feel like things are natural and organic and you could bash out your work, right? But um, then proceed possibly using a different platform. And the one that I recommend everyone to start with is Pinterest. Um, but if you didn't want to choose Pinterest, I would say anything with a search engine. So Pinterest, YouTube, blogging are the three main ones. And it's the reason why is because it will give you traction. You could create evergreen content and drive tons of traffic back to your store for months to go. It's a lot quicker than growing on platforms like Facebook that you have to pay to play or Instagram where you have to crack the algorithm. You have to build communities a little bit um, harder to kind of grow on those platforms because they're used a little bit differently compared to a search engine, someone's already searching for that content. Then they come across, they click, and then they end up to your store. And the fourth framework is convert. So now you have these beautiful products, you optimize your store, you're driving traffic not only from Etsy, but also from Pinterest or whatever platform you ended up choosing from. What do you do with the people that maybe they came across your products right now, we're not, they're not ready to buy. You need to have a system in place and that's email marketing. So you could capture those leads. So therefore 
you could nurture that lead. You could send them an email sequence, set up an email sequence where you send an email once a week, introducing who you are, what you do, why they should buy from you, keeping them in your ecosystem, right? Like sending them, hey, we're in, in Instagram or we're on Facebook, follow us there. And this way you have a system set in place that you will build a sustainable business. And the, the pro tip that I always give at the end is, once you have the system in place, because you know who your target audience is and what their problem is, and you're creating products to solve those problems, what you want to do is create additional products catered to them. Because now those people will buy from you again. A lot of people are so focused on the next lead, on the next lead, and they forget about customer retention. So if you already have customers that purchase from you, they'll buy again your new product. So not only put your focus on new leads, but don't forget about the ones that you have. And that's why you create products cater to an audience that love your products already, that they want to buy from you over and over and over. And that's how you build a sustainable business in the long haul versus trying to build something that maybe you make a couple of sales here and there, but you never build an email list. If your store gets shut down, you got to start from scratch. This is the, the proper way to kind of set up everything for you. Oh my gosh. That's so thorough. I love that. Like you covered everything. And here's the thing, like so many entrepreneurs are relying on Facebook and Instagram. They could go away any day. We saw back right a few months ago, that one day when neither one of those worked and exactly. every entrepreneur was like sucking their thumb. I can't think of it. Like there's, they don't even know what to do. Right. Exactly. They're like, Oh no, why they're waiting for it to come back and hoping it does, you know, exactly. it could one day go away and not come back. So I love what you're teaching and that you're not relying solely on those platforms, but you're capturing your own, uh, you know, email list, contact information, relationship building, uh, Oh my gosh, you're brilliant. You're brilliant. <laughs> you. No wonder you're so successful. This this is like a recipe for success. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. So I have a question about Etsy. Um, okay. Is Etsy mostly things that people made homemade? I know you mentioned that. Um, and I know at one point in one of our conversations, you talked about uh, turning your passion into profit, right? So is it homemade, all homemade, or, or tell us some of the different things, give people some ideas. They do sell, um, primarily it's all handmade products. Additional to that, you can sell vintage if it's older than 20 years and then supplies. Those are only the, the only categories that you are allowed to sell on Etsy. Um, what's great about it too, is that a lot of people feel like, well, I'm not crafty. I'm not a crafty person either. And what I ended up doing my first year next year, I made 21,000. My second year, I was able to triple that income. Um, and the only thing that I was selling was digital products and I was buying licensed clip art, right. Or graphic designs, adding them to, let's say a wedding invitation, creating my own invitation and the final product is what I sell that I created. So it could be that simple. Um, a lot of people feel like I need to be a knitter or I need to craft. And yes, if you could do those things, even better for you. But you don't necessarily need to be uh, crafty to learn how to create products that you can actually sell. A lot of it you could, um, some people buy clip art and they put it on the tumbler or they put it on a t-shirt or they put it on a hat and they create products for their audience and they're able to make a living off Etsy. 
I love it. And so now tell us in total, how many years have you been uh, on Etsy now? I've been there since 2016. So about so six. six. Years now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's amazing. And you grew really quickly, right? That first year, then you tripled the second year. And now yeah. you're just blowing it out of the water. And I'm just so excited for you. And Thank I have you. to say that I am, I, I was shocked to hear that Pinterest, you know, they just don't get enough credit. Uh, I was shocked to hear that Pinterest is like your most favorite and most uh, successful uh, way of growing your business because of the SEO. That is amazing to me. Yes, Pinterest um, is my lowest following group. So it's not like I have a huge following. It's the lowest one out of all my platforms. I think about, I think I have about 27,000 followers. But with Pinterest, what's nice about them is that once you pin, is there forever. It's like, as long as you create evergreen content, that's the best way to do it. And then they also have something called the Tailwind community. So if you are part of, there's an app or I guess it's an app, but it's an application or an extension called Tailwind app that lets you auto schedule all of your pins. And they're a partner up with Pinterest. So you could use them. And what they have, um, which is really interesting, is called the Tailwind community, where you you share your pins and you share other people's pins. That actually, I have gotten pins that have gotten me like 2 million views just from that, using that tool. Um, So like, for instance, I just did a video a few months ago from October to December. um, I think in a matter of three months, I had 100 and 36,000 clicks on my products and services just from Pinterest. Um, So I use a combination of Pinterest, a combination of Tailwind community to get more shares. Obviously, the more shares and repins that you get, the more exposure you get, and then that drives more traffic. Um, But it is amazing because, you know, you create a content on, let's say, on Instagram. After a while, it gets on the bottom feed. No one really sees it. I still get traffic from pins that I created like two years ago and they're still going strong. So that's why I recommend Pinterest plus it's a really easy platform to maneuver and like get traction in the beginning because it doesn't really rely on, um, you, you pin, as long as you do SEO and you optimize it, it will show up on the feed on Pinterest when people are searching, but it also shows up on Google. So now you're getting traffic from both avenues. So if somebody was to type in, let's say you sell anxiety bracelets and somebody types in the um, anxiety bracelets to deal with anxiety. I don't know. They type in that and your pin shows up. That person is going to click on your pin. And then from there, they're going to click is they're going to click again, whether it takes them to a blog and then you point them back to your Etsy store, or maybe it takes them directly to your anxiety bracelets, but it's driving traffic from both avenues. Um, and it's just a great, great platform. I highly recommend it for anyone. Oh, no matter what niche. No, that's good. So, you know, I love too, that you have these other systems in place where you're capturing their email so that even if they don't purchase at that time, when they click, you're still with them, right? You're still showing up in their box and reminding them like, Hey, remember that thing you like that you never purchased? Like it's still here. I love that. That is brilliant. Brilliant marketing. And it's simple. It seems simple. <laughs> I, I tell people a lot of the sales always come back from the back end. So a lot of sales always come back from the follow-up emails, from the follow-up remarketing campaigns. 
Um, not every single person that, let's say you drove 200 people a day to your Etsy store. Not all 200 people are going to buy, unfortunately. I wish, right? I wish <laughs> that, you know, last week when I did my live webinar that all 1900 people that showed up purchased, but it doesn't work that way. Um, you know, a certain amount of people click, a certain amount of people might register, a certain amount of people might sh even show up. But the sales come afterwards when I'm remarketing saying, hey, you missed the webinar or hey, um, you went to the webinar. Um, are you going to sign up? Right. Like that's where their sales come. And a lot of people, um, if they don't understand that process, it's really important that you do, because if you're just pinning your products to Etsy or pinning your products to your website, but you don't have any follow ups, you might get the occasional sale here and there but it's going to be a lot harder to build sustainable business for the long haul. Because then when you do have a new product, the people that did purchase from you, you don't even have an email from them to remarket to them again. Most likely those people will buy again from you, especially if you're creating products that are irresistible, that caters to them, that, that solves a problem that they have. But a lot of the sales, I'll say it again, comes from the follow-up or from the follow-up remarketing if you are spending ads. I love it. You know, I teach that in one of my sales courses, like my tagline is the fortune is in the follow-up and it's wow, true. <laughs> You're welcome to borrow that anytime you want, but it's true. Like, you know, you can't just skim the surface, which is why I'm just loving this, what this four, you know, step program you have here because or process, because it is, you know, you can't think you're just going to sell to everyone. There are those, you know, first, first people that are jumping in right away, but most of them aren't. And if you don't have something set up, you've got to work harder to find more new people, whereas exactly. you are just repeating, you know, and uh, that's amazing. Now, do you still sell a product on Etsy? Um, you know, like a, a homemade product? Yeah, I actually do. I still have my stores on Etsy. And then I do everything else that I do online, like YouTube creator. Um, I have my T-shirt book course, et cetera. But yes, I do still sell an XC. That is wild. And <laughs> you also now are coaching other entrepreneurs to mm -hmm. start, right? And grow their own Etsy businesses, which I love. And I love, this is what I love about this. You, it's not like you did this 10 years ago and now you're teaching it. You are on the ground in real time, navigating pandemics, coming in of it, coming out of it. You know, you are, you have your thumb on all of the things, the waves we should say of economy of, you know, the purchasing and of the marketing as it changes. So because of your own store, you see the trends even faster than if you were just coaching people how to do that. There's no better way as far as I'm concerned than to be in the field with the muddy boots and be, have your, have your hand on what is happening right now and teaching that to exactly. other entrepreneurs. I love that about you. I, that's the main reason why I kept my stores because of exactly what you said. Oh my gosh. It gives you so much more credibility. And like, yeah. I want to follow somebody who's doing it now, not somebody who was a you know, the hero 20 years ago, because exactly. this is a different world and it's constantly evolving. Oh my gosh. So tell us, I know you have a blog. Didn't you start at some point with a blog and turn that into something, uh, into, yeah. Like, I feel like that was what led you somewhere else. Tell us more about your blog. Yeah. So I started my blog, um, back in 2000, I want to say 2013, my main blog, which is Nancy Badillo. But before that, I had multiple blogs. 
I ended up doing that one as a brand name. And then I kept that and that's my main blog now. But originally the biggest hurdle or like the biggest mistake I think that I made in my business is that I wasn't like focused. So I was doing a little bit of everything. So one minute, you know, I am an SEO expert. The next minute I'm a PPC expert. The next minute I'll teach you how to create a blog and flip it. The next minute I'm selling my own blogs on flipper.com or whatever other website at the moment. The next minute I'm a freelancer. The next minute, you know, I'm trying to sell on Amazon. I was trying to do everything. I was trying to find I was trying to make money online basically, and then trying to find something that would stick. I think that there's no failures necessarily. It's all either you win or you learn. And everything that I went through has taken me where I'm at now. And I'm just scratching the surface now and hopefully I could continue to grow. Um, So I'm going to take it that way better because I feel like if I just focus on, oh my God, it took me so many years um, then I, I would have quit already a long time ago. Um, but that's kind of how I started. I started learning how to make money online. And then I was trying to position myself as an expert. And to be quite honest, doing all of these things um, gave me the advantage of when I did start selling on XE. That's why the first year I made over 21000 because I knew what SEO was. I knew how to market myself online. I had grown um, I've worked with Mercedes-Benz doing their PPC campaigns and SEO campaigns. I have done um, advertising for other dealerships, um, companies. I have the, I worked at an ag- agency for five years. I had all these experience, experience from my own self, like freelancing, working with clients. So all of that actually helped me um, to where I'm at today. But I was all over the place. And that's pretty much how I got started. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let's do this. Let's tell our listeners about your free masterclass. Of course. So anyone listening, um, if you are thinking of starting a small business, maybe you're not sure if you're going to do XE or not. I still highly recommend signing up for it only because everything that I teach, like I said, in the beginning of this podcast is that you can still apply it towards an Amazon store, towards your own website or any other platform you choose to sell your products. And the information that I give, it is towards XE, but a lot of it you could take and still use. I give a lot of actionable tips, it's about an hour long. And then at the end of the masterclass, I do um, answer questions. So any questions you guys have, um, you could just let me know and I'll be more than happy to clarify. So if you are thinking of starting a small business, um, make sure that you sign up. I love it. And Nancy, tell our listeners where they can find you. The best place that you could find the masterclass and any other information about me, who I am, what I do, um, is in my blog, nancybadijo.com. Love it. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. And just before we get to the good stuff, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly, I have this great announcement for you. We are starting the Pod Power Hour, which is a virtual event that's going to happen on Wednesdays at noon Eastern. And so if you've ever thought about having a podcast, if you have questions, if you are a podcaster and you want to come and meet other podcasters and learn what's new, what's happening, tips and tricks, 
to be better at this amazing passion of podcasting that you have, we would love for you to join us. We're going to have experts there that are going to be sharing their genius. It's going to be amazing. So, and if you're a host and you want to come meet some amazing uh, people that could be potential guests for you on your show, come on out. What a great way to get exposure. Be sure to check it out on my website at camilehman.com as well as follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Whatever is your favorite platform, we will have registration there. You do need to register to attend and it is on Zoom. So super simple, just one hour every other Wednesday. We start on May 4th, so don't miss out. Get registered today. We can't wait to see you there. You have moved from fighting cancer to discovering how to live beyond it. But what now? With so many emotional side effects still unknown, as a new survivor, you find yourself in a void as you navigate through the isolation, fear, and an uncertain future that can overshadow you and your family for years to come. Instead of focusing on the uncertainty of cancer, consider how strong and determined you are and think of the strength demonstrated by those who stood beside you through it all. Consider this. You now get to choose who you want to be and what your intentional, fulfilled life can look like. You made it through treatment. We can help you define yourself as a survivor. We're here to help you through this moment, to walk beside you as you shift your mindset from counting the days of life to creating a legacy. For more information, visit www.adventuretherapyfoundation.org or contact us at info at adventurefound.org. All right. Well, this has been so much fun learning about Etsy and growing an online store and all of the things. And thank you so much because we promise our listeners, we're going to bring them fierce female entrepreneurs and we're going to share their expert zone of genius. And you have done that so well today, but we're not done <laughs> because we also promise them that while we're spotlighting this successful entrepreneur that we are sharing her journey. You know, Nancy, there's so many women out there today that are grinding every day, just like you did when you typed in that Google search bar, like yeah. in pure, like you're like, I tried everything. What can I do? And you went to the Google gods, right? Yeah. Uh, well, here's what's happening. You know, these entrepreneurs are comparing themselves to people like you that you're, look, I mean, you've got this figured out, you're successful, you're sharing it all over the world. They have no idea the journey. They have no idea who the Nancy was before she became this great success. And they have no idea the obstacles that you faced and overcame. So we are about to pull the curtain back. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> oh, this is my favorite part. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start with the good because we always want to start with the good and encourage them. Share with us a story about the good or the greatest part of your journey so far. Um, the greatest part of my journey is finally being able to somewhat have financial freedom. Like right now, I am traveling 
I am about to go to Florida in a couple of days. And being able to do that before, you know, you had to schedule everything around someone giving you time, giving you vacation, right? Time. Being able to have financial freedom, being able to make twenty to thirty thousand dollar months. Um, that to me, the money is great, and it, but the financial freedom of it is even better. Being able to, if my son is sick, you know, say, you know what, I'm going to take him to urgent care, spend the day with him. I'll work in between or I'll work later when he goes to sleep and I'm my own boss and I could put my own hours. That is like nothing else. That's what I work hard. That's what I did for so many years is to get where I'm at now, to be able to be the, I'm the breadwinner in my home right now. Who would have thought that? Um, but yes, the best months are being able to make 20 to $30,000 a month to, to help support my family and leave a legacy for my son. I love that. I love that. And I'm going to take you back because we didn't talk about this before, but I feel like the listeners will have more to see like how grateful you are for this part. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that when it comes to money and finance when you were young and you were growing up, because I want to really show them like why this was so important to you and why it creates so much freedom and kind of the cycle. Yeah, I think when I was young, um, I was taken away me, my two brothers and my sister that I actually never met. She's still she's got um, adopted by a new family. Um, we got taken away from my mom. She had mental illness. Um, so we got taken away from her. And my grandmother adopted me and my two brothers. My two brothers got sent to Puerto Rico and I stayed with my grandma because she couldn't afford to have all of us. Unfortunately, my sister got left behind. She couldn't keep her within the family. And while living with my grandmother, she did, my grandparents did the best that they could. Um, they both have a fourth grade education and they really struggle throughout their life. Like they always, my grandfather worked here and there, but for the most, most of my years, my grandma lived off welfare. And because of living off welfare, you're very limited. You're very, very limited. You live off food stamps. I had an uncle that he passed away a couple of years that lived with us. He was the youngest of my grandma's kids. He has schizophrenia. So I live with, a, with my uncle that has schizophrenia. I live with my grandparents with a fourth grade education, welfare. We never took vacations. I always had hand-me-downs. I never had, I always had food. I'm so blessed. Um, but it was always a struggle in my home. You know, in the first we had the money by the middle of the week, by the middle of the month, excuse me, um, the funds were very, very low. Um, we didn't have like vacations like everyone else. We didn't have lavish birthdays. We didn't have lavish Christmas. Um, and one thing that I always remember, which I don't know if I told you this before, but was more of um, my grandma always complain about money, not having money. And I know why now I see it now, you know, you're in a fixed income and you got like $30 left for two weeks, you know, after you pay yeah. your bills, the, the rent. So it was really, really hard having just $30 and you can't do anything. Mind you, could have they done more? Maybe, right? But at that point, they weren't. Um, so I always remember like, you know, I never had a room. I was either slept in the kitchen and the pull-out couch. One time I had like a room under a stair and I had like a little mattress. I never had like my dream room either. So I always remember like 
when I get older, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to make sure that I don't live in welfare. There's nothing wrong with it. There are people that are going to need it. I definitely needed it at one point, even though I didn't apply for it, but I should have probably. So it is a great system. It's just some people do take advantage of it, of course. And I would say, I think my family did a little bit too much. Um, So I grew up in that kind of environment. And for me, it was just like, I don't want to continue the cycle. I want to break the cycle um, of many things, not just that, not just financial, but just many things in my family and be better. And I always had that in back of my head. And I think that's one of the reasons that I tell you in the beginning about being invisible. It's like that pushes me because I always want to be better and better and better and prove people that you, you could come from this and not let that define your path, not let that define you and you could do better. So I think that was like my, my bad, you know, like just living off that. That was my, I should have been like someone living off welfare right now. Cause that's all I knew. No, there was no big dreams in my house. I dreamt big for some reason, but, um, yeah, that's kind of how it got started with me in the back, back in my younger years. And thank you, because you know what, like when we say things like, you know, our grade or our best part of our journey is that financial freedom. Uh, people who didn't have that history that you grew up with, they cannot appreciate that, right? So now they see mm-hmm. like, okay, this is where she comes from. This is why this one thing uh, ha- resembles a lot of security, right? A lot of freedom mm-hmm. uh, because it does, you know, we know money's not everything, but it buys choices. It gives us freedom. It gives us uh, a choices to have a better life and provide a better life and give back even, right? Yes. So yes, exactly. yes. Yes. And so you didn't allow yourself to fall into that trap Mm -hmm. and you broke the cycle. And that's what I was getting to. It's like you have, you were the one, right? You were, you're educated. You have these degrees. You are successful. You are teaching, you know, leaving a legacy by teaching your own child, right? That, Mm -hmm. that you can do better. You can have it all. It is possible. And you can make a difference. And I don't think there's any other legacy that you could leave that would be more important um, for breaking family cycles. So I'm so glad we got to cover that. And I mean, that makes the good even better, right? Because now now there's a little bit of background there to say, oh, Mm -hmm. I see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to go to the bad. So we're going to tell a little story about the bad. Uh, So (laughs) are you ready for that? This is where we get to really show it all. Yes, I'm ready. Um, So for me, because of my past, right, and growing up, essentially, I feel like a loner because even though I have a lot of brothers and sisters, um, they're in another country. I didn't grow up with them. So when I moved actually to Chicago with my mom, um, because I was trying to leave the environment I was in, I got in the worst environment, which I didn't realize at that moment with my mom. And I love my mom. And um, she passed away a couple of years ago. And I know that now I understand um, her mental illness, um, even though she never really got diagnosed with with it. I understand she has something and I'm able to forgive her and able to learn from her. She actually taught me the most valuable lesson, which is treat everyone with the most respect, no matter who they are. Um, I used to be ashamed of my mom at one point because I didn't really understand her. And then 
that's the lesson I learned from her. And it's like the biggest lesson. It's like the best thing I have learned from my mom. And I'm so grateful for her. And when I moved in with her, um, I feel like at that point, um, I've always been making my own decisions since I was about 14. And I'm one of those people that I jump in without really thinking about anything. So I started, I went, I, I started school down here in Chicago. Um, my, I was a sophomore at the time and I started um, going to school. I graduated from school. I started working at Bally's, like I mentioned earlier, and I was making decent money. I was a sales representative. And back then Bally's was very popular. So I was making good money. I ended up buying a house. I was going to school full time. I probably should have never bought the house while trying to go to school full time, while trying to have a full time job. But again, I never had that guidance with my mom nor my grandparents. So therefore, I made a lot of rash decisions without really thinking about, do I have enough money saved? Do I have a backup plan? What happens if I lose my job? I didn't think about anything. So when I bought the house in 2007 and the market crash and we went through financial crisis and my job started cutting my pay and then I started looking for three additional jobs, like I said earlier, and at one point I'm working three jobs trying to hold my house. I stopped school. I dropped out of school. I was getting my master's. I was in my undergrad program. I was actually was going to become a dermatologist. That was my career path back then. That's why I have a bachelor's in biology and everything hit. Basically. I, um, I remember, like I said earlier, sitting in my house, um, single, my husband, now we were friends at, the, at that time. So he could, he was there for me a lot, but I was single. Um, I couldn't find a roommate because I lived in the South side of Chicago, which is a rough area. So a lot of people didn't want to live in that area. So I couldn't find a roommate to kind of split the rent and maybe save my home. And then at one point I didn't have any light. And then at one point I didn't have any heat and I'm in my house sitting there freezing cold, sleeping with a jacket. Um, I had to go to the library to apply for jobs. Eventually, I knew that working at the bar, working at this antenna enterprises, which was only based on if you sold cable, you got paid. The same in the bar. If you sold jello shots, you got paid. And then, and then the Kmart job was like too much for me, like stocking and working overnight to three, four in the morning. It was taking a toll on me. I really wasn't sleeping. Um, I just decided, okay, I'm going to start applying for a regular job now. Um, I ended up working at Verizon. I got a job at Verizon that was 80 miles from my house, back and forth, like 40 miles to go, 40 to come. It was in Elgin, Illinois, so I would have to drive up there. But at that point, it was just like, okay, I got a job that has a salary, thank God. And I ended up leave, I ended up calling my bank and be like, okay, y'all take the house. I, I'm so stressed out. They told me, just leave the key in the cabinet and walk away. I'm like, well, someone's going to break in. I live in a bad area. They're like, no, no, just leave the key and just walk out. We know already. I've never gone through a foreclosure. So obviously this is my first time I lose my home. Then after that, when I started working at Verizon, I actually applied for bankruptcy because I talked to a lawyer and he's like, that's the best thing you could do right now. You owe too many credit cards. I was putting everything on credit cards, trying to, pay my rent on credit card, trying to pay my gas bill on credit card, my everything on credit card. So 
I ended up doing a um, foreclosure, bankruptcy, as you can imagine. And what's worse about bankruptcy for anyone listening, it gets better, but it does linger like 10 years. So even though you gave up all these things, next year when you try to apply for that, for that new apartment, bankruptcy comes up, foreclosure comes up. When you try to get that car, a loan or something for a car, bankruptcy again. I mean, just constantly reminded of it. That takes a toll on you as a human being because you're trying to get past this and improve your credit and get, do better things with your life and kind of start all over again. But it does linger. It's linger for many years. So I'm still lingering with that. And now I'm still trying to figure out how to make money online. I haven't given that up, even though I was trying to juggle all these jobs and still do that. So I started working at a call center to kind of fast forward. And um, Verizon had a really good tuition program, $8,000 a year. I ended up going to Capella University and they had a tuition program of $8,000 a year. So I, yeah, so I went ahead and started Capella University and I would do online school because I couldn't do a university in person because I'm driving so far and working so many hours. Um, so Basically, I got a second master's, a sec, um, excuse me, a second bachelor's, a, uh, my first master's in business with a minor in marketing. I got married throughout those seven years that I worked there. And what I used to do, and this is um, the truth, um, I used to sit there, talk to customers while working on my side hustle. And it's not something that Verizon will allow people to do, but I was so good with customer service that my boss never really had a problem with telling me like, you need to turn off that computer because you're not focused. So I would hustle so hard. I wouldn't have lunch with anyone, which is probably not the best thing, but I would have not lunch with anyone. I would sit in my car and work. I would work before work. I would work during work. I would work after work. I didn't have like friends time. I didn't have like family time. I didn't do that many vacations. I worked every weekend. So basically you could say if I worked nine to five, when I got home seven to three, I'm working or seven to one in the morning, I'm working and trying to make something out of it. It's so hard to even imagine because you did all that and you were willing to do all that and you still lost everything. Right. And then, then you, here you are now on top of the world and people they, like, this is why we tell the story, Nancy, yeah. because no one would look at you today and think you were on welfare. You lost a home, you went bankrupt. They, nobody believes that. And this is the, it is hard. And it's, and when we tell the truth, we're giving these other people permission to, to work hard and run for their dreams because there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with them. You know, they look at successful entrepreneurs and think, what's wrong with me? So I'm here to shout from the rooftop. There's nothing wrong with you. Oh, there's nothing wrong. A lot of times it's not necessarily there's something wrong with you. It's that you don't have the right systems and processes in place. That's all it is. That's what took me so many years. I was all over the place. And while I was all over the place, I was also trying to get a second degree in school, trying to, I didn't have my son yet. I wasn't married yet but I had all these other responsibilities that I was trying to do while still trying to do this on the side. So a lot of people fail, not necessarily because they're not good enough. It's just that they don't have the right proper systems in place to know what to do for their business. That's and what I is. love this, that what you're doing with this free masterclass, because you're giving this to people 
and they don't, you know, we always, you know, we'll say what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Because if you don't have money to pay somebody to give you that information, then how else will you get it? Right. So, so there is sometimes that gap, which is why guys money is important because you can buy what you need, right? The education, the knowledge, the experience from other people. But I love that you're doing this free class because it doesn't matter where you are. If you're broke and busted and bankrupt, and foreclose you can go to nancy's free class you can learn what you can learn you know take those steps and hey you might make enough money to pay for the next program i know and i'm sure that's what your hopes are is to give people enough that they can take those first steps and then they can they can afford to pay for the other programs to go the rest of the distance I just love what you're doing. And, you know, as, as terrible as it sounds to be bankrupt and foreclosed and all of those things, aren't you looking back grateful because those are the things that made you who you are today? Yeah, you really do. Like, you know, at the time you don't see it, but when time passes and you keep pushing through, I'm even more proud of never giving up on myself. You know what I mean? I could look back and be like, wow, I didn't give up. I kept going, even though it was hard for me, even though I have dyslexia, even though um, it was, you know, I struggle with things. Like I just kept pushing through regardless. And I said, I'm going to make it happen somehow. Eventually it's going to work out. I just know it will. <laughs> and as long as you don't give up, it will, right? The only way it doesn't work out is when you give up. Well, this has been so great. Okay. Well, we have one more, you know, we got to tell them the ugly. (laughs) They're probably (laughs) thinking that was the ugly, but we have more. So tell them, let's tell our listeners a story about the ugly. So for me, the, I guess the ugliest part is when my husband got sick. So in, we had our son in 2018 and he was getting a lot of headaches. And my husband is the opposite of me. He has a six pack, which I wish I had. He's in shape. You know, he eats healthy, no sodas and, you know, ginger ale, this and everything else that comes in place to eating healthy. So when he started getting headaches, I was like, it's because you're not taking naps. He's a nap guy. He loves naps. I'm like, you're not taking a nap. We have this newborn. We don't know what we're doing. First time parents, it hit us really hard. We both had postpondered the depression. I mean, it hit me and him. We became really good at working together, which is the weirdest part. Usually it separates you, but we actually came together really, really well. Um, but I was like, that's why you have these headaches. But then they started escalating to the point that he was getting like seven, eight, 10 per day, like back to back to back. So at that point, we got a little concerned. He went to a doctor. They recommended a different type of doctor for to do um, a a brain check. And when they checked his skull, um, his brain was swollen. So they were like, we want to know what's going on until we go in there. So he got surgery in 2019, April. That's my son had just turned one year um, or about to turn one year because his birthday is April 23rd. Um, so three weeks before he turned one, my husband got an operation. When they opened him up, they did find a tumor, cancerous tumor. Um, it was so swollen that his skull, his brain was hitting the skull and that was causing the, the headaches, basically. So what they did with, in there, they took out as much of the tumor as possible because the area that's at, um, he could have died. They went too deep. So they took out as much as they could. Um, 
And then they started doing, after surgery, they started doing, a week later, they started doing radiation and chemotherapy. He is in remission right now. But we went through a lot. Like that year that he got operated, his parents, thank God, they retired. So they were able to fly back and forth. Um, but they weren't there all the time because they just couldn't either. Um, so they helped as much as we could. But me, mean one, a single parent, um, <laughs> a single parent, basically, at that point, excuse me, a new parent, which is what I meant to say. Now I'm a single parent as well. My husband at one point couldn't walk, couldn't talk, couldn't write. Um, he couldn't even like function, right? Like he has to use the bathroom, but he doesn't really understand what using the bathroom is. Like you have to help him with everything. So that took a really huge toll on us. Um, and then on top of that, I'm still running my business. I had my full-time job then. So I'm doing my full-time job. I'm doing my side hustle. I'm being a mom, I'm being a wife, taking care of my husband. Um, so that was the ugly for me, um, only because for many months, I thought, oh my God, my husband is only, I think at the time, 41. Is he going to die? Like, he's so healthy. Like, if anyone should have had cancer, it's me, not him. Um, so him going through that and me trying to still be resilient. And at that point, he had to stop. He's a school counselor. So they gave him, he used up majority of his vacation. But at that point, he didn't work for a couple months. So I was the breadwinner. So now I have to carry that responsibility of paying the mortgage, our condo in Chicago, paying his no, car no, paying my car no. So I was being successful because I already had my Etsy stores and I was making money off my YouTube channel and affiliate marketing. But I could have easily said, I'm going through too much. I need a pause, you know, and I had a, like any other time, just be resilient and keep pushing through and make the time to make everything work whenever I could. Right. But keep continuing because I was the one that was making everything continue as he got healed. So that was my, my worst moment, but I think it was because of the fact that I was so scared of losing my husband. Yes. So mm -hmm. not only were you exhausted from being a caregiver, taking yeah. care of a toddler, running these businesses and trying to grow them, paying yeah. all the bills, like yeah. I can't even imagine. And yes, you, everyone would have agreed with you and said, Nancy, take a break. This is too much for you. Yeah. But mm -hmm. you know what? At the end of the day, look at where you are now. You're about to go on vacation, celebrate a birthday with your husband and your little yeah. one, and you have these successful businesses and you're helping other entrepreneurs do the same. Oh my gosh, you truly are invincible. And it has been such a joy to, to share you today with our listeners and I just am so thrilled that have you here and um, to our listeners. Oh my gosh, you heard it from Nancy, <laughs> Nancy Badijo. She is the rock star, invincible Etsy store and coach who can help you with your journey of entrepreneurship with an online Etsy store. And I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you are face down on the ground right now, Listen, you heard Nancy's story. You heard it from her herself and she's here to tell it. So you will make it. You will. I promise um, you just get back up, right? Tell them, Nancy, yeah. get you know, up. I, get up. You know, one of 
this is my quote that I came up with, and I hope I came up with it because I couldn't find the trademark. But Akijana, I'm going to trademark this. Adversity gives you a lot of valuable insights. Take that adversity and just don't look at it as negative and try to find the good in it and definitely keep pushing through and keep following your dreams. And if it does, if this one thing doesn't work, pivot and try this other thing. If that doesn't work, pivot, try something else. And all of these little moments are going to prepare you for the big thing that God has in store for you. Absolutely. You heard it from the mouth of Nancy Padijo. Oh my gosh. Get back up, girl. Get back up. You can do it. And we can't wait to celebrate you when you do. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a review and share us with your friends. For more information about me and how I can support you, please stop on over to my website at camilehman.com and book a free call with me. I'd love to meet you and learn more about how I can support you.